I've got a word from God for you today, and it's not just in behalf of this church. It is a word from the Lord for you as an individual and for me, um, uh, for our church. Uh, it's kind of unusual. If you know me at all, you know I stay way ahead in messages, and I know where I'm going usually. But um, for this, God just did this something different. It's one of those times where God just drops a word on you and so let me, just, uh, let me just give you the title because this is a word from God. Our barren days are over. If you'll notice on the screen, it says our barren days are coming to an end. That's because I forgot to change it. Because when I put our barren days are coming to an end, the Lord spoke to me and said, no, they're over. That may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to me. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah 54. We're going to have it on the screen, but I'm going to go word by word and verse by verse and just share my heart and share what the Lord has spoke to us. Amen. Is that all right? You know, when you get God speak to you so directly, a passage from the Bible. I was on the phone with a, with a minister friend that I haven't talked to in a long time this morning, and I told him about that I had a word, and man, God spoke to me a scripture and he immediately, immediately, he said what I already know in my heart. He said, oh, he said, man, when God gives you a word like that out of the Bible, you can take it to the bank. It's done. I said, yes, it is. So Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1 through 5. And uh, everybody shout, our barren days are over. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I got a word. Isaiah 54, 1 through 5. I love this. God's going to challenge us today, so hang on. But this is a word directly for our church. Shout for joy, O barren one. I, I'm going to get into this in a minute, but it, you know, it, it's just like God to say, hey, I want you to shout for joy when you have nothing to shout about. You who have borne no child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud. You who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married one, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. That sounds familiar. We're going to go there. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will. For you will. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your descendants will possess nations and, and resettle in the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated. For you will not be disgraced. But you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood will you remember no more. For your husband is your maker whose name is the Lord of hosts and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel who is called the God of all the earth. And everybody say a good amen. amen. Uh, hold your Bibles up and we're going to pray and then we'll make our declaration. Heavenly Father, I'm asking you right now, God, to anoint me to speak forth your word. God, this is a fresh delivery that you gave to me, God, and I know it's a word 
it is not just a word, it's a prophetic word for our church and for our lives and for us as a people. I thank you. We receive it by faith, Father. And I pray you'd anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. I ask you, O oh Lord Jesus, that you will just let this seed fall on the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. I pray 100% of us who rather see this on tape delay or here in person, this will register and we will walk in unison and a unity of faith, believing your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Now hold up your Bibles in whatever form you have and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, our barren days are over. And we're going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five somebody and say our barren days are over. Woo! Hallelujah. I was sitting in my office praying as I do early in the mornings many times. And Tuesday morning, June 29th, I wrote down the date. I wasn't praying about anything, about a building or anything like that. I was just praying, and I don't know how to describe to you how it happened to me, but the presence of God just came on me and in me, and he spoke to me this passage, Isaiah 54. And when he gave me this passage, I knew a little bit about what it meant. I hadn't really researched and diagnosed word for word to understand it as well as I do now, but I understood at least the basic concept of what he was trying to say. And, and, and it was just amazing when God speaks to you like that and he gives you a word in season through his scripture and a passage, it's, it's weird because it, on one moment you're excited and fired up on the, in the other twinkling of an eye, there was a fear that hit me. It was like, oh my God, it's here. You know, you wander in the wilderness long enough, you don't, you'd think one day you'll get there, but it never seems like it could be today. How many know what I'm talking about? It just seems like we've been wandering the wilderness. It's been forever. And what's strange about this is um, I'm usually one to two months ahead in messages and passages. I've already been working the month of August. There's five Sundays and Labor Day. I'm going to do a six-part series on end times, uh, on what the end of days is like and the rapture of the church and all. If you were interested in that or know, anybody knows who that is, they need to be here. And it's a, it's a series God's put on me. And I know kind of where I'm going after that. I've got... I know the Lord speaks to me, but for some reason, July 11th, I couldn't get anywhere. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, if you know me, I'm not just going to throw anything out there. I just thought, well, God, you're either going to give me something for July 11th, or we'll show up and say, God ain't speaking today. We'll sing some songs, pray, and we'll go home. Amen? I'm just, I'm being serious with you. I don't come up here with just any old thing. And, uh, and that's where I was. And then when he gave me this, it was like, oh, duh, you got to preach this. And I was like, well, God, I didn't have it till June 29th. So... I put this together, I worked on it, and I'm very excited to flesh this out for you. Verse 1 says, and if you've got your Bibles, just, just hang with me. I'm in the uh, New American Standard Bible. Shout for joy. That means to overcome, to cry out, to shout for joy, to give a ringing cry, to cry loud, or to shout. Now, it says, shout for joy, you barren one. The word barren means sterile. Everybody say sterile. That means you who are not bearing fruit. Now, 
this sounds good in theory. This sounds good when you're singing, oh, the blood of Jesus, and you get goose pimples on your goose pimples, and the presence of God is here, and all seems well in the world. But what do you do on Tuesday morning when you look at your life, and it seems like every aspect of your life is barren? What do you do when you look at every aspect of your child, your children, your your finances, the doctor's reports, and it seems like the devil's not just kicking you while you're down, he is pulverizing you. And it seems like you have no hope. Can you shout for joy a ringing cry of praise in the midst of your fruitlessness? See, his word is an encouraging word, but it's also a challenge. Because it's easy in here to say, yeah, let's shout for joy. It's a whole nother deal on Thursday night when it seems like your world is caving in. And everywhere you look in your life, it seems like there's no fruit. And the devil works overtime at painting a picture in your mind to show you and make you feel like there's no fruit in your life. How many know what I'm talking about? Can you do that? Can you shout aloud and give a ringing cry of praise to God in the midst of your barrenness? In the midst of your prayers and fasting, and yet there's just no, no, there's no answer. Can you, can you give God a shout for joy, a ringing cry of praise when it seems like your children are on skid row, and the harder you pray and the more you fast, the worse they go, the more stubborn they get, and it seems like there's no end. Can you praise and give God a ringing cry of praise and joy in the midst of your marriage being a dumpster fire? Can you, can you praise God and worship him even in the midst of worshiping at 3 o'clock in Indiana on a Sunday over and over and over and over and over and wondering when will we ever get our property? Can you do that? Can you shout a thank you and a hallelujah to God when your world is caving in and it seems like it's getting worse? Can you, can you let out a, a shout for joy? Praise God, I've got bills to pay and I don't have any money. Hallelujah. I mean, let's get real. This is not me challenging us or you. This is God challenging us. He is saying, Bridge of Hope, can you give me a ringing cry of praise and worship for joy in the midst of your barrenness? He goes on to say, break forth. To break forth means to cause, to break or burst forth. To break forth with, to break out into a joyful sound, to make a loud noise. Break forth into what? He says, break forth into joyful shouting. Everybody say joyful shouting. I love this. It's a ringing cry, an entreaty, a supplication, a proclamation, a joy, a praise. Can you do that in the midst of your barrenness when it seems like there's nothing fruitful in your life? When it seems like you can pray and fast all you want and you ain't seeing no results? When it seems like, why even bother anymore? Can you do that. Can you have joyful praise to God in the midst of sour finances, a bitter marriage, and it seemed like everywhere you look, there ain't nothing going right. Has anybody ever been there before? He goes on to say, look, this is the third time now he's talking about a loud shout of cry. He says, cry aloud, cry aloud, watch this, means to neigh. <laughs> I love this, cry shrilly. I don't, I don't know what, ah, what does that mean? I mean, I don't know how that means there. 
He goes on to say, to bellow, to bellow out, to shout, to gleam, to say hallelujah. So three different times God says, can you worship me? Not just, well, praise God, hallelujah. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Okay. Can you shout for joy, a ringing cry? Can you bellow out, hallelujah, when you're barren, when you're sterile, when everything you try doesn't seem to work? Folks, this is the word of God. He says, I want you, and now he describes who he's talking to. Not just barren, not just sterile. He says, I want you to burst forth like a baby bursting out of a womb. I want you to burst forth with singing and praising and worshiping me. Watch this. You, the sons of the desolate one. (laughs) I mean, it's like God is counterproductive here. He says, I want you to shout. I want you to praise with all you got, with everything in you. You sons of the desolate one, put that back up for me, please. Pull, pull, pull that back. You who have been appalled, stunned, stupefied, awestruck, deflowered, causing horror and devastate. He says, for those of you that have been devastated in your life, those of you that have been stunned, those of you that have been stupefied, You need to praise God anyways. You know, that's what I feel like has happened to our church over the last four years. We have been stunned as a body. We've been stupefied. Just take a look around, folks. Just take a look around at what we've dropped to. We've been stunned. We've been devastated. You call it what you want. This is us. We've been deflowered, folks. And no matter how much fasting and praying we've been doing over the last four years, there ain't much fruit popping up. A little here and a little there, nothing like what God has promised. Folks, this is us. And God is challenging us as a church, and he's saying, can you, at 3 o'clock in the state of Indiana almost, when everybody else seems to have bailed, and you're sticking it out, you're all as hard-headed as me. You just don't know when to quit. Amen? We just keep trugging along. Praise God. I mean that as a compliment. Obviously, y'all are not quitters and heart, you're, you're hard-headed like me or you did male too. Praise God. Poke your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're hard-headed. Amen. Hey, man, I'm not going to give up either, brother. I mean, man, I dig my heels in the sand. Brother, you could offer me a million dollars somewhere else to pastor a church. You could be over my dead body. The devil's made me mad. I ain't going nowhere ever. Listen, appalled, stunned, stupefied, cause horror. That's, that's us, folks. Do you feel that way in your life? He said, I want you who feel that way as a church body, can you just give me wild praise? Can you give me a ringing cry of praise in the midst of your fruitlessness, in the midst of your sterilization, in the midst of you being stunned and awestruck and devastated and deflowered? Can you find it somewhere in you to say, well, glory be to God. Well, hallelujah. Well, I praise you anyway. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, glory, glory, 
haven't even got to verse 2 yet. I'm still on verse 1. Y'all hang with me now. Watch this. He says, I want those of you that have just had your world turned upside down and inside out and everywhere else. He said, I want you to praise God. Watch this. Look what your Bible says. He says, check this out. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. Those of you who are not bearing fruit. He said, I know. I recognize you're not bearing fruit. You've been sterile. I see what you're going through. I see the wilderness that you're in. I still want you to cry and praise him anyways. Those of you that have been stunned, watch this. Because he says, for the sons of the desolate one, that's us, will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman. I love this. In other words, what he's saying is, there are other churches and people out there that are more fruitful than you right now. But he says, when you begin to praise God anyways, even though your kid is going the wrong way, when you praise God even though you don't have money to pay the bills, when you praise God in the midst of that bad doctor's report, when you praise God in the midst of all that we've been through as a church, anyways, watch what he said. He said, I'm getting ready to cause you to be more fruitful and be more numerous than the ones who are already bearing fruit. You may be barren and fruitless now, but if you'll praise me anyways, I'll cause you to bear more fruit than those that are already bearing fruit. Woo! Oh, hallelujah! Glory to God, that's his promise. Can you believe that for your life? And can you believe that for our church? Woo! Glory to God. And then I love what he says at the end. He says, he says, yeah, you look around now, you are barren. He says, I mean, he's not denying. He says, he didn't say you feel barren. He says, you're barren. But if you'll praise me anyways, you'll have more fruit in the end than those that are fruitful now. And watch what he says at the end of verse 1. He says, says the Lord. Boy, I love that. Somebody say, says the Lord. God said it. And I believe it. Because the last time I checked, God's got the, the final say. No tomb can hold Jesus in the ground. Huh? There ain't no death can hold God back. There's no disease greater. There's no sickness greater. There's no kid on skid growing. It don't matter. There ain't nothing compared to God. God said, I'm going to do it. God said it. Titus 1, 2 says it this way, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ago. God can't lie. Hebrews 6, 18, watch what he said. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, not only can he not lie, it's impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Folks, there are no ifs with God. <laughs> Woo. If God said it, you can take it to the bank. I had that in my notes, and my friend on the phone said, Whoa, man, when God gives you patches like this, take it to the bank. It's done. Folks, it's done. So he's challenging us what we worship, and then he gets into verse 2, and that's where I start to come a little bit unglued. He said, enlarge the place of your tent. The word enlarge means to be or grow wide. Huh. To be or grow wide. That sounds familiar. Where have I heard that? Oh, from when he spoke to me in January. Genesis 26, 22. He moved away from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he named it Rehoboth, which means wide places or streets. 
for he said at last. I know that I will be the first one to say at last. Oh, at last. At last the Lord, not anything we conjure up, not anything we manufacture or orchestrate. At last the Lord has made room. The word made room there, watch this, means to be wide or to be widened or to be enlarged. It's the same word that we find here in verse 2. For us and we will be fruitful in that land. God will cause us to bear fruit in that land. And then the Lord brought to my remembrance the prayer of Jabez, 1 Chronicles 4.10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted what he requested. He said, Enlarge the place of your tent. Get ready. I'm getting ready to widen you out. I'm getting ready to give you a wide space in a particular area. The word place, he said, enlarge the place of your tent. Place means station or office. Check this out. Standing place. Watch this. City, land, region, distance, space, room, region, quarter, direction. Same thing that he saw in Genesis 26. He said he's got a place for us, a territory, a city, a land, a region, an area that he's getting ready to put us. He said, get ready. I've got a wide place I'm going to put you in a community. <laughs> And then if this doesn't describe us, he said, enlarge the place of your tent. It's like he's describing us. The word tent means nomad's tent. It's a symbolic of wilderness life or transience. Is that not us? The past four years, set up, tear down. We couldn't even set up today, crying out loud. I guess God wanted us to have a break. Amen. We've been in a wilderness as a church, folks. And contrary to what some people will tell you, they're just... Nobody wants to hear this, but some people have gotten weary in the journey. Folks, we just had a family tell us that they're not coming back to church. And the reasoning was is they feel like there's too many new people and they don't know anybody anymore. So, so so you're leaving the church because there's new people in it. Is that what you're telling me? Isn't that like the idea? To see new people come to Jesus? Correct me if I'm wrong, church. Am I on the wrong planet? Is it a good idea to have new people or a bad idea? Now, what's amazing to me is the same family that's leaving because there's too many new people and they don't know as many people anymore would never think about leaving if some of those new people were their kids and grandkids. But because they're somebody else's kids and grandkids, I got an idea. Let me leave and go to a church where I absolutely know no one at all. Folks, does any of this make sense to you? I better go on. (laughs) Maybe you feel that way in your life. You feel like a nomad. Transients, that's been us. So God says, okay, I want you to enlarge. I want you to get ready because I've got a place for you, and it's going to be a wide place. It's going to be bigger than what you think. So then he comes with a challenge again. Look what your Bible says. It says, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Stretch out. Everybody say stretch out. Stretch out means to extend, to spread out, to pitch, turn, pervert, incline, to bend, or to bow. 
I believe what God is saying, can you stretch out your faith and extend your faith to believe God for a breakthrough? Can you stretch out your faith and extend your faith to believe God for your healing? Can you stretch out your faith and extend your faith to believe God for his promises? Can you extend faith and believe God and stretch out your faith to God to believe for your child's deliverance? To believe that God actually has a wonderful place that he's going to put us and a wonderful community where we will be fruitful in that area. And it'll be a wide place because he knows we're getting ready to reap a great harvest and we're going to grow. Can you stretch out and extend your faith for your miracle? That's what God said. It's a command here. He said, hey, if you're going to take me at your word, you've got to stretch out your tent curtains, the curtains of your dwellings. Dwellings here means tabernacle, residence, or habitation. The place where God, his presence resides. Stretch out your faith and extend your faith in the presence of God and believe him at his word. Stretch out your faith and believe God through praise and worship. Stretch out and extend your faith by getting into his presence and letting his presence, his tabernacle, dwell inside of you. Is anybody catching what I'm saying? Stretch out and extend your faith to believe God that he has our tabernacle for us, our church facility, our place, and a great community where we're going to fit like a hand in a glove and we're going to see much fruit. We've got to stretch out our faith and believe God. Yeah. He says, not only do I want you to stretch out the curtains of your dwelling, stretch out, stretch out a place for my presence. Stretch out a place for me to do the work that I said I would do. He says, spare not. Everybody say, spare not. Spare not means to withhold, hold back, or refrain. In other words, don't withhold your faith for your miracle. Don't withhold your faith for our church. Listen, God didn't send us in the wilderness to die. The place he has for us just hasn't opened up yet. But if I don't miss my guess, the dawning of a new day is just about to appear. It is upon us, folks. The barren days are over. He said, I want you to lengthen your cords. Lengthen here means prolong, make long, or continue long. Folks, it's been four years, and it's certainly been a long wait already. I believe God is saying to continue to prolong, continue to extend your faith in him. Continue to believe his word for your healing and miracle. Continue to believe God for the church place that he has that he's going to put us. Continue to believe. Continue. Just believe one more day. Prolong your faith one more day. Stretch out and extend your faith one more day. Believe one more day because tomorrow could be the day we get the phone call. Does anybody believe this? Amen. He said, and I want you to strengthen your pegs. Pegs was what held the tent up and held the tent together. He said, strengthen them. Strengthen here, watch this, means prevail, harden, be strong, be firm, be resolute. In other words, Bridge of Hope Church and you as individuals for your own life, dig in your heels and believe God in spite of what you see in the natural, in spite of what the devil tells you. Dig your heels in the ground and believe God. Don't ever back down and don't ever quit. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, I love it. It says, be resolute. That's what that word means. God is saying, I need a group of people to be resolute. Resolute. 
1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 8. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We already have the victory and it's through Jesus. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Steadfast means you dig in your heels. It's like a football lineman on the offensive line. He gets his stance just right, and he's ready for the defense to come at him. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, it's easy to preach that, but it's a whole other thing when you, when you labor, 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 and it feels like you're barren, barren, barren. What do you do when you don't see fruit? You just keep laboring because God said it's not in vain. Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary while doing good for in due season we shall, not maybe, not if, this ain't every day is Christmas, if every day was Christmas it would be candies and nuts, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, every day would be Christmas, right? Uh Uh-uh, God said we shall reap if we do not lose heart. God is saying to us today, be resolute, be steadfast, strengthen your pegs, dig your heels, and believe me, because if you do, you will see fruit. Strengthen your faith, and you will prevail. Be resolute, bridge of hope, and you will prevail. Be resolute in your faith and never give in, and you will be healed. The doctors will sign off on a clean bill of health. The children will come back home and serve God. The finances will come in over an abundance. The hope will return. The faith will return. The joy will return. The anxiety's got to leave. Will you believe God? Verse 3, now I'm going to really come unglued and so are you. He said, for you will. Everybody say, you will. Look, Look, this is what God gave me less than two weeks ago. For you will spread abroad to the right and the left. Are you ready for this? Poke your neighbor and say, you're not ready. You're not ready for this. No, because you know what we want? Here's what we want. Well, here's what I want. Can we just have a little show of faith, God? Can we just start inching our way forward? <laughs> Can we just kind of, you know, give a, you know, let, what, what, yeah, we'll just, we'll just grow, man, one or two here and there. It'll be, we'll see souls saved. We'll see these things and we'll, be, we'll see little by little. That's not how God's going to work this thing. Watch what he said. He said, spread out. You will spread abroad. Everybody say spread abroad to the right and the left. You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you sure you're ready? And you poke your neighbor and say, you're not ready for this. Spread abroad, here we go, it means breakthrough, to burst, breach, to break or burst out like from a womb or an enclosure, to break out violently upon, to break over limits, increase, to burst open. I think about when Holly had Aaron, God love her. She didn't even have a Tylenol. She had that baby as natural as could be, not a pain medicine or nothing. She tougher than beaver teeth. Anyways, her, her water busted at 310, and Aaron was here at 314. He literally burst forth. And the umbilical cord was wrapped around him, and he was gray, and the nurse was yelling, Stop pushing. And she said, there ain't no stopping this. He's coming. And I could see he was gray. And so they, we got the um, um, uh, uh, 
umbilical cord out, and of course Aaron was okay. But he literally burst forth. Literally, when her water broke, he like broke through too. And I mean, four minutes, ladies. I'm glad I wasn't at home by myself is all I can say. Most women, their water breaks, they get in the car, leisurely, they go to the hospital. I'm glad we were there. There was no doctor there. The guy trying to give her the epidural, was. she was hollering epidural, epidural. The nurse was like, I see his head push. She went to the side. She said, no, epidural. <laughs> and the nurse grabbed her legs and went to the, she said, no, you got to push. The baby's here. <laughs> yeah, Holly's going to move on. Yeah, I'll pay for that one later. (laughs) So Aaron literally burst forth. I mean, leave this up for just a minute. Look at some of this, the definition is spread abroad. To break out violently upon. Man, we are about to break out and burst out violently out of our wilderness as a church body. We are about to break every limit the devil has put around us. We are about to burst violently out. I didn't say gradually. I said we're about to burst out. Woo! Because with God, all things are possible. He said, you barren one, you have never broke, you're not bearing fruit. It seems like the world is against you. It seems like nothing's going right. You're about to burst violently out. Woo! You're about to break forth over all your limits, Bridge of Hope Church. You're about to break violently away from cancer and disease. You're about to break violently free from all sickness. Your children are about to break violently free from the oppression of the devil he's got over them. Your marriage is about to break free of the limits that's been on it. Our church is about to violently break forth. This is the word of the Lord. Your marriage is about to burst to freedom. Your child is going to say, I don't know what I was thinking, but I'm living for Jesus now. I'm crazy enough to believe this. He said, you're going to break out to the right and left. They always face east, so to the right was south, to the left was north. He said, you're going to violently break out Bridge of Hope Church to the north and south. I always told you our first campus one day is going to be Kentucky. Well, right there in the Word, we will break forth into the south. I didn't say it was going to be our main campus. I said it's going to be our first one we plant. Pastor, now you crazy. Look around this place. You talking about several campuses? You better believe I am. I know what God's put in me. I know the vision God's given me, and I ain't never given it up. Why? What have I got to lose? I'm going to dare to believe God. I'm going to dare to believe God to save every one of your family members. I'm going to dare to believe God to heal every one of your sick bodies. I'm going to dare to believe God to see thousands, tens of thousands saved by the grace of Almighty God. I'm going to dare to believe God that when he burst us forth, we'll have so much fruit we can't even count it all. Oh, he said we're going to burst forth. 
We're going to burst forth to the right and the left. And he said, and your descendants. Whoa, wait a minute. We were barren a minute ago. He said, and your descendants, it's already done. Descendants here means seed, sowing, fruit, or plant. Our seed we've been sowing, we're about to bear fruit. <laughs> he said, can you praise God? If you can praise and shout ringing cries of joy for fruit that you don't have yet, and you can extend your faith and believe me, he said, your descendants, your fruit. Our church is about to have a big harvest, folks. And God is saying, you're about to have big fruit in your life. You've been sowing prayers. You've been fasting. You've been sowing seed. And God said, you're about to get a harvest. Woo! He said, our harvest, we're going to possess nations. I love this word possess here. It means to seize. It means to dispossess. And let me just stop right there. There is nothing that's unoccupied in the world. So for us to possess something, watch this, means we have to take possession off. Inherit, occupy, disinherit, take possession of, to devour. He said, hey, you've got fruit coming. And he says, this is what God spoke. This is his word. He says, you're about to take possession off the enemy. And you're going to take possession of. You're going to disinherit the enemy out of the land God's putting us. This is what God is saying. We're about to take possession off the enemy. We're about to occupy our Rehoboth. We're about to take possession of what we're believing God for in our lives. You're about to take possession of your healing. You're about to take possession of your miracle. You're about to disinherit the enemy from what's rightfully yours. In other words, God is saying, storm the gates of hell and it will not prevail against you. And I love this next part because you know my heart is a multicultural, multiracial church. I, I mean, I see a mixture of whites and blacks and Hispanics and Asians and all different nationalities. I want a church that looks like heaven. Here's what God said in his word. He said, your descendants will possess nations. The word nations means people, nations, usually of non-Hebrew people, foreign nation. Folks, we're about to reap a harvest of different nationalities, of different colors, of different creeds, of different cultures. We're going to have a church that looks like heaven. Somebody shout, amen. I can't wait to see people of color on this stage, all over the stage, and Asians, and Indians, and, and, and Hispanics, and you name it, all kinds of nations, and colors, and creeds. I can't wait. That is what God said he's promising us. And then he goes on to say an interesting word here. He says, and you, and will resettle. Everybody say resettle. Now, that means to dwell, to remain, to sit, and abide. It means to be set, to sit down, to remain, to stay, to have one's abode, to call cities to be inhabited. Watch the last definition. It's not on the screen, but just listen. Give a dwelling to, like to Mary. In other words, God says, because you're married to me and not my girlfriend, I've got something special for you. The next place God puts us, I believe, is be, will be our home. We will settle there. It will be our base of operations. I believe we'll plant campuses around. But it will be our home. 
And God is saying, because you're married to me, I'm going to give it to you as a groom would his bride. There's somebody in here in your own personal life because you have, because you have persevered, because you have believed, because you've believed with all your heart, mind, and soul, because you're sold out to Jesus. He's got something special for you. I love surprises. And God gives some good ones. Resettle. I, I believe it's going to be a church that was once thriving and doing great things in a community that God wants to bring to life in that community again. As a matter of fact, he said you're going to resettle in the desolate cities. Watch what the word desolate means. See if you can... Remember it from a while back. Appalled, stunned, stupefied, awestruck, to be deflowered, to be deserted, to be stunned, to be astounded. God said, watch this. I'm going to cause you bridge of hope. Check this out. I'm going to cause you barren, stunned, stupefied, deflowered, and devastated people to go to a church that once was in a community that was doing great things, that that church has now been stunned, stupefied, devalued, deflowered, and, and everything else. And I'm going to cause the two of you to merge together, and we're going to bring life to the whole thing. That's what God's Word says. Can you believe God can take a stunned, stupefied, awestruck group of people and put it together with the same place over here in this community and all of a sudden merge the two together and poof, all of a sudden there's life and God's kingdom and that community again. This is what his word says. Can we believe that? Boy, and I love this. Look at the next verse, verse 4. It says, fear not. Everybody say fear not. For you will not be put to shame. Shame means to be put to shame, to be ashamed, to be disconcerted, to be disappointed, to be pale. Are you disappointed right now? Are you disappointed with God? Are you disappointed in life? Are you disappointed with our church? He said, fear not for you will not be put to shame. And he watched what he says. It's very interesting here. He says, and do not feel humiliated. The fact that he says don't feel humiliated is proof that he's talking to a people that feels humiliated. He wouldn't say, don't feel humiliated unless they feel humiliated. Now, look at what the word humiliated means here. He says, don't feel humiliated. Don't feel insulted by what you're faced with and what you've been dealing with. Shame, humiliate, blush, to be reproached, to wound, to taunt, to be insulted. But I, I'll just be very vulnerable for you right now. This is how I have felt as your pastor the past couple years. Pastor friends, man, how's your church going? My head goes down. Well, you know, we're mobile right now. And, you know, we're, you know, there's some folks, they, you know, three o'clock's not working for them. You know, we're out in Indiana. Next thing you know, we'll be in Indianapolis. We really won't. Don't take that to heart. Of course, or half of you might not come back next week. So please come back next week. I got a surprise. And we've promised we won't be in Indianapolis next week. Amen. That's, that's how I felt, humiliated when family members ask how it's going. 
humiliated to go to camp meeting, to have to look at pastors and say, well, we lost another 50 people. Total shame. There's no pride left in me. God's pulverized me down and grounded in powder. I'm a shell of what I used to be. Total and complete humiliation is what I have felt over the last couple years. I'm not stupid. You think I don't see all the people that's left? Do you, do you think this is what I wanted? Do you think this was my desire to leave a thriving church in Georgia and come up here and almost nine years into a pastorate, it's 10 times worse than it ever was? Numbers wise, at least. I feel like our church is unified now. And I feel and I believe God's word, but I want to tell you the devil's taunted me unmercifully. Since God gave me this word, I've woke up almost every night at three in the morning with the devil whispering in my ear, you may as well just quit. Easier said than done. I've had the devil whisper in my ear and say, it's all your fault. Well, there goes another family. Pretty soon, Dallas, you ain't going to have nobody left. Boy, I'm excited to go to camp meeting next week. So I can have 25 of my friends say, how's it going? Well, you want me to be honest? Is it okay to get real? That's as real as I know how to be, folks. The devil just wake me up and say, man, you just need to go back south and start you a business and just get out of the ministry because obviously you're just not cut out for this. Just look at what you see, big boy. You, you moved your family out of Georgia for this? He said, don't feel humiliated. Don't be put to shame. See, the devil will lie to you. Sometimes I feel like the devil is just lying in my face. Maybe when people ask you how your children are doing, your head goes down and you say, well, I'm praying they're going to come to Jesus. We know the right things to say. But let's get real. How about when they say, what's the latest doctor's report? Well, yeah, this one wasn't that good, but I'm believing in faith. It's quiet up in this Presbyterian church now because I done hit the nail on the head and it's done drove up in the parkway, in the driveway. What do you do when... When somebody asks how things are going and you feel humiliated and you take the shame of something and you wear it like it's yours. Listen, the devil will lie to you and he'll tell you, well, you know what? If you had enough faith, that church would already be growing. If you were any kind of a pastor, this thing would be turned around by now. If you really believe God, you'd already be healed. The fact that you aren't, you'll never have the faith to be healed. You're fixing to die. If you really were a man or a woman of God, your marriage would already be fixed. It's getting worse. What kind of parent were you? Look at your child. They've gone crazy, and it's your fault. You're the dad. You're the mom. It's your fault. Is it okay to just tell you what the devil? Look, I'm, I'm telling you stuff he tells me. Does anybody else get the devil whisper in your ear? Am I the only one? Do I need to be in a loony bin? Can I see a show on the hands if the devil lies to you about stuff too? Okay. 
I feel better. Maybe we all need to be in the loony bin. Here we go. You might as well quit praying because it ain't doing no good. Why are you working so hard anyways? There ain't no results. You start to fast and obey God, and the devil just pulls out. He says, why are you fasting? You've been fasting all this time. He ain't done nothing. You might as well just eat. Go get your buffet, boy, boy, because they're fasting and God ain't hearing it. Do you see any results from it? I don't see any. Why starve yourself? Can I, is it, am I the only one that the devil does this stuff to? God said, you will not be put to shame. He said, don't feel humiliated. Watch this. For you will not be disgraced. Everybody say Amen. Disgrace means to be ashamed, to be ashamed, to feel abashed, to blush, or be disappointed. Listen, God says, hey, I know you may feel that way now, but don't you worry because you're not going to be ashamed. When I'm all said and done, you're going to hold your head up high. Listen, we think other people look on us with shame more than they really do. Listen, they got their own shame they're dealing with. And I got news for the devil. Jesus Christ didn't just nail our sins to the cross. He nailed our shame as well. Somebody shout amen on that one. Glory to God. God. Woo! The devil will cause such shame to come over you that he'll make it to where you think other people are looking down on you and looking at you with disdain and disdain, and you won't even come to church no more because you think, well, everybody's talking about me. Man, no, they're not. That's the devil lying. And watch what he said. He said, you will not be disgraced. Somebody say amen. And he goes on to say, I love this, but you will. Oh, boy, I like this now. Get ready. But you will Watch this. Forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. The word reproach there means uh, reproach, scorn, taunt, or disgrace. God is about to take away your shame, your humiliation, and your reproach. God is about to take the shame and the humiliation and the reproach off our church. Woo! Somebody shout glory. God is about to take the shame. He's about to take it and will remember. Remember it no more. Just like a woman, when she has all the terrible pains of labor, when she holds that baby, she forgets the former things, and all she can do is hold that baby and smile. Guess what? There's a bunch of spiritual babies coming into our life, and we will remember the wilderness no more. We'll remember it like a scar, but it'll have no pain anymore. We'll remember the days we wandered, but it'll have no shame. It'll have no reproach. It'll have no humiliation because of all the babies that are coming into the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. So let me close with verse 5. He says, for your husband is your maker. Everybody say maker. Maker means to do, fashion, accomplish, work, produce, or make. I love it. In other words, God says you won't have to manufacture nothing. You're not going to have to orchestrate something. This is not what man can do. This is what God's going to do. God said he's going to work this thing. God's the one that's going to make room for us. God's the one that's going to produce it. We don't have to make it happen. God is the one who produces the fruit, and he's the one that will make it happen. He will accomplish everything he said he would do in our lives and in our church. He said, for your husband is your maker whose name is the Lord of hosts. Lord there is Jehovah, and host means that which goes forth an army, (laughs) 
war, warfare, a host of organized army angels. In other words, the Lord says, hey, not only am I going to do it, I'm going to send my angels to pave the way. <laughs> and the last time I checked, one angel killed 185,000 in one night. Man, every devil's going to scram, every demon's going to run for their lives because the host of God's army's with us. And God said, I'm bringing my army, and he's never lost one yet. Man, I come to tell somebody, he's better than Rocky Marciano. He's undefeated champion of the universe. There is no devil that can stand in his way. His army goes before us. He says, I am your redeemer. Act as a kinsman redeemer. Avenge, revenge, ransom. God said he's about to avenge us. He's the holy one, the sacred holy one, the set apart one of Israel, meaning God prevails. And finally, at the end of verse 5, he said, who is called God of the earth? God here is Elohim, which means ruler or judge. God said he's about to rule and judge in our favor. Do you believe it? Hey, we don't need a praise team right now. We don't need musicians and singers right now. Can you give a ringing cry of praise in faith in the midst of your barrenness? Can you shout to God in victory? Can you give him a cry, a loud cry and a shrill cry? Can you bellow out praise to an almighty God even though you're in a desolate situation? Oh, is there anybody that would praise him? Is there anybody that will bless him? Come on, you don't need a song leader. Just let it come out of the depths of your spirit hallelujah oh I praise you Jesus I praise you Jesus our barren days are over hallelujah you have caused us to forget our shame you have caused us to forget our humiliation you have caused us to forget our reproach oh Glory to God. Come on, can you praise him in the midst of your diagnosis? Can you praise him in the midst of your sickness? Can you praise him when the child is on skid row? Can you praise him anyways? This is the word of the Lord. We receive our Rehoboth by faith. Oh, God, we receive this word by faith. in spite of our unbelief, we believe, oh God.